This episode of Untold Stories is sponsored by Kava and Ledin. You'll hear more about them later on in this episode. What is up, everyone? I am Charlie Shrem, and you are listening and watching another awesome episode of Untold Stories, where twice a week, together, over the past three years, we get to take this journey and understand not just crypto, but over, over the last year or so, we've been understanding human nature. We've been understanding why we do things, how we do things. We've been bringing on doctors. We've been bringing on politicians. We've been bringing on presidents. You know, one of our past guests is the deputy prime minister in India. Uh, I used to say, actually, Doc, I used to say to try to understand, you know, how this movement came to be. But I think now, moreover, I want to understand how this movement fits into a larger societal shift and a larger societal change. Um, so I'm really, it's my honor, my pleasure to have you on the show today, Dr. Adam Shiner. Doc, thank you so much for coming on Untold Stories today. Sorry, thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here with you. You are a laser eyelid and facial cosmetic surgeon in Tampa. Um, you're world-renowned. You're constantly all over the media and on TV, and you've written a bestseller called The True Definition of Beauty. And what is the true definition of beauty, actually? So we are, as individuals, very social beings, and we yearn to connect with one another. You know, Sometimes as we age, or sometimes even with birth, our faces can, can change or send messages that are not congruent with the way that we feel inside. And for, for people, that can be frustrating. It's the main reason people actually seek out specialists like myself. And the true definition of beauty is really about balance. Um, there are certain ratios that harken back, actually, to the time of the 1200s in Pisa, Italy. There was actually a gentleman, Leonardo Fibonacci. Uh, he grew up in a middle-class family in Pisa. I mean, Italy wasn't Italy back then. It was these city-states. And he actually went over to uh, India and to Asia and brought back mathematical concepts to Pisa. And you know how Roman culture spread throughout the world. So he was one of the people why we're not using those Roman numerals anymore. We're using the alphanumeric system is partly because of Leonardo. Anyway, um, he was looking at the multiplication of rabbits. Um, and he came up with the sequence. And then the sequence goes like this, uh, 1, 1, 2, 3, 5, 8, 13, and so on. If you take the first number of the sequence, you add to the next number of the sequence, you get the next number. So 1 plus 1 equals 2, 1 plus 2 equals 3, 2 plus 3 equals 5, and so on. Um, when you divide these numbers by each other, it comes up to a ratio of 1 to 1.618. And what they noticed was when they, um, that when they looked in, lot, in nature, a lot of things had this ratio of 1 to 1.618. In numerical sequences, you can actually define um, a curve according to numerical sequence. And the curve of this ratio actually matched um, the, the curve. They call the Fibonacci curve, matched this thing they called eventually the golden ratio. And it matched the uh, curve of the Nautilus and it matched the curve of the helix of the year. So they thought this actually was a divinely inspired ratio. And so they used it. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I still think it's a divine ratio. Yeah. And so, um, right. They use it. In, they use it looking at uh, economics and stuff too. So they used it a lot of top in the, in the Renaissance. So the uh, Last Supper has these ratios. Mona Lisa's face has these ratios. The Parthenon was made of these ratios. Yep. Um, Notre Dame was made through. So it was something that was known back then. Um, I have ways to show this in my book. I actually prove the point of how this has a lot to do with how we perceive, um, beauty. You know, we think that it's all subjective, the eye of the beholder, but it turns out that we're very, um, we we really feed a lot off of nonverbal communication. Um, 
and we kind of we kind of feel things and then we rationalize things intellectually. What do you mean by that? Well, we are nonverbal in 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 a lot of, we pick up a lot of cues from each other, right? And so we might see someone like in terms of the way that people age, right? And why people come out to see me. So I said that it's frustrating when they have these um, things, these messages that, are, that faces send that's not concurrent with, with the way they feel inside. So men, when they have lower lid heaviness as they grow older or heavy eyelids, like someone will think, hey, you're tired, you know? Uh, or were you drinking last night, right? Oh. These sorts of things. That can be frustrating. Uh, women, the same way. They they can look tired or- I squint a um, lot with heavy lids or women it's not fair but women as they age their teeth change and they actually come in inwards and the jaw actually rotates backwards so it starts to form these folds around the lower mouth and makes them look sad or bitchy and um, that's not fair so we might see someone with a downturned mouth and we say hey are you okay you know or to a man or a woman with heavy eyelids say hey you get enough rest and when you hear that over and over, that can be frustrating that you're sending out messages that are not consistent the way that you really feel. It's a really sad thing now that I think about it. And and we that happens in, in everyday life, like not just with the golden ratio, but how we feel and how, you know, even in our marriages and our friendships with people, we constantly take all of these social cues and then we rationalize them with our intellect. What scares me is that how many times over our lifetime has our intellect been wrong about things? How many? I look back and I can literally go back every five years and think about something that I was so wrong about at the time, but I probably fought for. But then, so now it scares me almost because how can I trust my judgment that I'm making these right decisions based on certain cues, relationships that I'm having with people, business relationships I'm having, and then eventually we get into cryptocurrency and and other things, how we interact with other people around the world when you can't have social cues. Right. That's interesting. And it's part of, you know, growing up and getting to know these things, right? We tend to judge people in a certain way, but then you hear, you know, the character of their mind and the way they're speaking and you can form other judgments that way. It seems like you've always, uh, uh, from, from the years that I've known you, I I can now call you my friend and we've been talking a lot and, and you understand mathematics, you understand your field, of course, you understand, uh, society. What's your Bitcoin journey? Because uh, I met you actually in the early days of Bitcoin, like oh, pro- I think over five years ago. So, so why did you originally get into Bitcoin? Why did you decide to to accept it at your medical practice? I'm curious to see if there were any connections with what interested you over the course of your life, and then now why what pulled you into Bitcoin? I'm always curious to know. Yeah. So I was first told by a friend of mine in 2015. Um, I actually made my first purchase back then around. Uh, $231, I think, back then. And um, and so I think really when I read the white paper about it, I was like, this is really interesting um, that this was a, a, a proof of stake, right? A proof of that this thing could be useful, you know, with the first, you know, purchase of pizza, you know, with the Bitcoin, the fact that this was something that could be useful. And then I was thinking about all the unbanked people in the world, right? And how this could be this could get past governments, this could get past dictators, it can get past, you know, corruption. And I, so I thought it was really interesting that way. And that, that kind of became my journey. And, you know, in the early days, I made mistakes. We lost funds during this process, but you kind of learn as you go along. And, you know, I actually followed your advice. You had this crypto IQ, uh, a newsletter back then, along with, um, you had suggested balancing of, of, uh, investments and such. 
And interestingly, Charlie, that really helped me <laughs> back then is following your advice. That was one of the top three things that I, I really have today was from back then. Yeah, one of the, I, I get, I get, uh, uh, yelled at a lot for, for, uh, I have a lot of friends who are like a hundred percent full-time in Bitcoin and crypto. And that's, and that's amazing. And you should, you should always have a diversification and a balance of all of your assets. But for the sake of you not waking up every day and worried about the Bitcoin price, you should have some other asset, whether it's like real estate or something that you know is going to be there in the worst case scenario. Because if you are all like stuck to the charts in the markets, I mean, you're you're stuck, you're addicted to your phone, and then you're going to make this FOMO decision to make these wrong decisions. So also dollar cost averaging was a big thing that I tell people. Right. It's a long game, I think. And that's what I view. If I say over a four-year period, I really haven't seen Bitcoin go down over a four-year period. If I have a four-year timeline, I'm not you know, 80 years old or something. Like, I think that that's what I kind of look for. Tell me why people are come to you and want to understand not um, what, what can be done for themselves, but they understand the, the uh, psychology behind plastic surgery behind wanting to make your face look better because there's so much negative stigma around it. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And that's where the balance really comes in because we see results that are, you see people in Hollywood and they get really awkward results. You're thinking, what are they doing? They have all the funds. Like, who are they going to? And why are they getting these awkward results? That's why I wrote the book. Uh, it actually is a guide to help people understand if they are considering this too, what sort of things they should they should look out for. But um, you know, for me, it's really about communication. That's what this is all about. It's about how we relate to each other. And uh, people come in, and if they're they're a lot of times, I have I have older patients. I have some younger patients too. Um, I had you know young patients who've had fullness in the lower eyelid since they were like thirteen. And uh, I had this one girl. She was actually from Saudi Arabia, and uh, she was always wearing dark glasses on her eyes um, all the time in school. She was self conscious about it. Uh, she came to see me, I think, when she was 16. I, it was too young for me to suggest any surgery at that point. She came back when she was 18, and then I said that we could help her. And it was funny because Saudi Arabia actually sent paid for her surgery. Wow. Yeah. Anyway, I helped her, and then she had something to say to me. She said, you know, this was so impactful um, that if I could have done this at 13, I would have done this at 13. And I was thinking, well, on one hand, it's way too young. I mean, your face can change. On the other hand, I can understand, yeah, psychosocially, there's an argument, could you possibly intervene earlier? Maybe she could have less issues going through high school and stuff at that point. Um, but most people I'm really helping are, are you know, in the 40s, 50s, 60s. Um, and uh, for those people, it's just really helpful to um, help clean up those messages so they don't look tired when they're not tired. They don't look mad when they're not mad. Um, I have this reset procedure that I do for sun damage that um, I sort of came upon. You learn a lot actually in this field. You know, I learn a lot from my patients. I was doing a surgery on this one woman a couple of years ago on her upper and lower lids. And I did a laser on the skin of the lower eyelids to make it uh, look better. And she came back to me two years later and she was erupting in skin lesions all over her face, except for except for the area where I treated two years prior. And that wow. taught me, wow, not only making skin kind of wrinkles look better, that thing, but I'm making the skin healthier. I then started to uh, apply my, you know, my skills and my mind. And I started to look more at this. And when I'm doing procedures, I can see early cancers in the skin, skin cancers when I'm working. 
and I can, I can remove cancers, um, early, early ones, early basal cells, early squamous cells. Um, we have these things called actinic keratoses that form in the skin. There are these flaky lesions that can form on the, on the skin as we grow older. 10% of those will go on to form squamous uh, cell carcinoma. I get rid of 100% of those. And interestingly, they're sometimes below the skin surface. So they're not even come out yet, but I can get rid of those lesions too. So I call this a reset for sun damage. I can start the skin over. I can get rid of sun damage and wrinkles you know, with this procedure and they can start their life over with new skin. We look at, you, you said interesting, you said psychosocial, psychosocially. That's an, I never heard that term before. Right. So a psychosocially is this idea that um, we get cues. That's sort of one of these ideas once our subconscious brain kind of seeing things, you know, that are not really there. Right. Um, I have a, I show it, give a presentation at one point where I show this uh, picture of a man and a woman. Uh, it was actually created by a, um, uh, a psychologist. It's actually a picture of the same person, but what our brain does is our brain actually sees. So women intrinsically, they have more vascularity to the eye and mouth region than men do. We have more one color. Women have more vascularity. So one of the ways we determine male or femaleness is by looking at faces and seeing actually how dark are the lips and the eye region in women. Um, and this, I kind of show this to people and say, this is what's underneath the surface. That's what my book's about. How do we, how do we deal with all these cues that are kind of hard baked into our brain? Our what are they? Brain? I'm sorry? What are those cues? It's these subconscious cues that are baked into us, right? Because it's the way that we would see uh, you know, friend or foe. Uh, it's the way that we could see someone as that we would want to be with, you know, maybe uh, have children with, maybe not have children with. It's these sort of cues that we kind of pick up. On a day-to-day basis. Right. So the interesting thing, if we see a downturned mouth and we see someone's mad, we may not want to approach them, you know? And uh, I had this woman, actually, um, she was in her later 60s. She had this downturned mouth and she said, she called her or her older bitchy face because everyone kept saying, you know, yeah. Her name was Peggy. She said, Peggy, you know, what's the matter? Are you are you sad? You know, what's what's happening at home? She's like, I feel fine. And using volume actually, fillers, we can actually, in a non-surgical way, we can turn around those messages. Also, the world was relating to her in differently, a different way. And that's what's really powerful. So if I can do things that help people so the world relates to them in a better way, that's what I'm really passionate about. We accept these things. We accept these like little so so it shouldn't it shouldn't be that. Who we are, the world looks at us, I say shouldn't, but the, it shouldn't be that if we're all human beings, the world shouldn't look at us. You know, we already have racism and other things in the world today. We don't need on top of it people worrying about, you know, like, like a bitch face and things like that or wrinkles making us look tired. We don't need that. But unfortunately, what you're saying is, and this is never spoken about, we do. And it's so, it, it's, it's every single day. We deal we, from how we deal with the most of our personal relationships with how we deal with the, with the homeless guy sitting outside the office door. This affects our everyday lives. But we also built our worlds based on like being able to learn instinct and social cues. You ever think about what would the world look like if we were all in this metaverse where our, we can choose our avatars? So we're all going to choose to have no blemishes. And then right. my second question is, I've actually played a lot of these metaverse games where I'm in these other worlds. Um, there are people that choose to have deformities in their faces on purpose. That's fascinating. Why? Why? Some people actually can get, uh, can build their character that way to a certain degree too, right? So if someone has, um, 
some uh, a crooked nose, like who's that uh, that one actor I'm thinking about? Um, and sometimes they wear that, and that becomes their the way they define themselves, you know, because of these abilities. It gives them a unique uh, personality that way. So um, it doesn't have to be always for the negative, but we can't help the fact that we we are really animals, right? We're human animals, but we are animals, and we do. Uh, relate to people, our brain, our subconscious brain kind of rules the world. We go throughout the world, it's feeling things. And then once again, our brain then comes around and we kind of rationalize things intellectually. So, you know, if your spouse or something has this downturn mouth, maybe she, you know, she's just feeling kind of sad. You, you would say, Hey, honey, is everything okay? You know, but if someone through age has that happen and that's the message they get all the time, that is frustrating. That's why people come to me for help with those sorts of things. And then you have, they have to change their psychology and that's not a, not an easy, they have to change their psychology and that's not a, an easy thing to do as well. Right. I think about that a lot. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the things I preach, preach on the show a lot and we talk about is, is the five spokes of life. And I like to, to, to talk about um, how we can be healthier. How can I be healthier? We live in Florida. Uh, a lot of people live in, in places with a lot of sun. Uh, what can we do to avoid uh, the effects of aging? I feel like that this is some knowledge that uh, a lot of people would love to know now. They can change how they're living. What are some ways we can avoid wrinkles in the future? What are some ways we can avoid uh, the you know uh, being able to our skin and avoid a lot of these things that we're talking about so we don't have to worry about the social cues that people may get from us later in life. Probably like skin cancers too, by the way. There you go, skin cancer too. I know it's in my family. It worries me. Most people know that there's some form of that. It worries them too. Right, exactly. And, you know, that can be very uh, disfiguring when people have flaps thrown, you know, and it it distorts the face and things like that. Um, The number one thing I want to give everyone the advice on is sun protection. Yeah. Sun protection. That is the number one way that we age is the sun. And I'm in Florida. I go out to the beach. It's not about not being out. It's about protecting yourself when you are out. So that involves wearing a visor or a hat, uh, wearing mechanical sunblocks. Um, These are the ones that are really more prominent now. Um, They're the ones that when you put on the skin, it's zinc oxide and titanium dioxide on the skin. They immediately work. They reflect the rays off the skin. Um, they're reef safe because they were concerned about the reefs now with some of those chemical yeah. um, components that they have. So this is actually going to become the dominant one out there, you know, everywhere. Like in, in Hawaii, they won't allow you to wear anything except for mechanical uh, sunblocks. But wearing that when you're outside. So go golfing, go boating, put on your sunblock, wear a hat, wear sunglasses, you know. Uh, for the eyes, interestingly, wearing sunglasses all the time is very helpful too because uh, or glasses with UV protection in them because the sun can damage our eyes and cause things called pinguecula, which are these yellow masses that form on the eye, and something called pterygia, which are growths that, uh, that almost like a wing that comes over the, the cornea or the center part of the vision. And by wearing sunglasses you know, at an early age, you can actually protect against those things too. So the sun is really good for us. We get vitamin D from it. Uh, we lo- you know, it actually it giveth helps us- and taketh away. Yeah. I mean, I grew up in the Northeast, so, you know, coming down here, I, I, in the fall, I used to get a little seasonal effect of a little sad, you know, when all the trees were yeah. losing their deciduous leaves. I'd look up at the sky and I had this white sky with these, you know, black sticks against a white sky for month after month after month, you know, until spring came. 
And down here, I have to say, it's just so much nicer being in a sunny area. At what point does the sun start damaging your skin? Uh, is it like a 30-minute mark type of thing? <sighs> Truthfully, anytime you're outside, yeah. <laughs> you need to go from your, your mailbox, your house to your mailbox, you will get a certain dose, right? And um, you know, you could be out probably without sun protection, maybe 10 to 15 minutes you know, uh, uh, at a time. Um, you know, once a day or so, but more than that, you're actually getting a certain amount of damage. The UV, UVA rays, um, it, when the sun comes down, it shines at us, right? There's visible light so we can see one another. And then there's invisible rays called ultraviolet rays. UVA is a very long wavelength and it's uh, present from sun up to sundown. So even like seven or eight o'clock in the morning, you can get UVA exposure. Even like five or six at night, you can get UVA exposure. It can penetrate clouds and car windows, <laughs> and it can actually oh, wow. it penetrates deeply in the skin where it fractures uh, collagen and elastic fibers, and that leads to a lot of the, the damage that we see. UVB is not is not great too, but it's not quite as um, doesn't go quite as deep. Interestingly, in the seventies, uh, they have the SPF sun protection factor, mm. and it protect they had components that protected against UVB, um, and uh, people weren't wearing that, and they weren't getting red. But then skin cancer started to go up. They're like, why is skin cancer going up since we're wearing all this sunscreen? Well, it turns out that it was blocking UVB. It had nothing to do with UVA. So people are getting a full dose of UVA and, uh, and they were no getting UVB, red. So they didn't know yeah. to get out of the sun back then. Now the products with the mechanical blocks, uh, the titanium dioxide and zinc oxide block both. So that's what you want to do. You're looking for things that are broad spectrum and water resistant um, when you're out. I wanted to congratulate our sponsor, Kava, because Circle chose the Kava platform as one of their newest blockchains and protocols they're gonna be launching USDC on. Traditionally, USDC has only been on Ethereum and one or two other chains like Tron, but now there's a bunch of other blockchains. The Kava platform is one of them, and you can access all of those super cool DeFi high yield opportunities that are on the Kava platform now with USDC, which we know and love. So check them out at untoldstories.link forward slash Kava. And congratulations, guys. Having Circle choose y'all as the top blockchain for USDC to be launched on is a big freaking deal. Today's show is brought to you by our newest sponsor, Ledin.io, a better home for your Bitcoin. And they are amazing. They're secure, simple, and such an easy to use platform for managing and growing your digital wealth. You can earn interest on your Bitcoin and your USDC with some of the industry's best rates, 6.1% APY on your first two Bitcoin and 9% APY on your USDC. You can use your Bitcoin as collateral with their lead-in loans to get quick access to dollars or to double your Bitcoin savings with their popular B2X loan. If it sounds too good to be true, it's not because they've partnered with Armanino LLP to provide proof of reserve attestations. That means in a few simple clicks, you can log in and you can verify your assets on Ledin are fully accounted for. And this is truly first in class transparency and accountability. And I'm excited to get to the meat of, the, of, of what we're talking about here. We're giving $50 away in free Bitcoin to everyone. All you got to do is go to untoldstories.link forward slash L-E-D-N. And we're giving $50 to anyone who goes on and creates a new loan. And that can literally pay for your interest in the first half of the year, depending on the size of your loan. It's an interest-free loan. Why not? Might as well do it, right? Untoldstories.link forward slash Leiden. Thank you guys for being amazing. It's so interesting that we live, we, here we are in America and it's like we, the tanner, you, it's social cues, right? 
the tanner right. the tanner you are, the darker your skin from the sun. And you walk into a business meeting, you may get the deal. It's like a, it's a big. It shows affluence. It shows that you're into. You know, people go tanning. We have tanning salons in consumerist right. America, and then you have other countries where it's the opposite. People want to get their skin pigmented whiter. They want right. it. It's like the opposite effect. People walk India, around with umbrellas. Africa, yeah, right? um, those places they they want to it get. It comes down because... to same thing: social cues. Right, 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 right. It's like these uh, different um, prejudices or uh, you know viewpoints that we have of the world, right? So we so back then they think lighter is better, right? You know? Yeah. It's funny how the how the people from Northern Europe want to get darker, and the people from Africa yeah, it's lighter. it's so stupid. But we talk about the true definition of beauty. I think that's what it comes down to. It's removing. It's removing the ability for someone to judge you from a physical perspective, uh, I think is very important in the world. I think. Right, right. So anyway, I was saying, so wearing sun protection is really, really important. Um, if people have damaged their, sun, their skin, that uh, there's two things. One is my more uh, aggressive procedure called this reset for sun damage procedure. That has recovery associated with it, but it starts everything over. It, interestingly, there's something called... Um, broad-based light, BBL. It's called Forever Young Broad-Based Light. It's a light treatment that doesn't have downtime. I actually get that done myself. Um, and um, there's research actually out of Stanford showing that these light treatments um, will cause the skin to revert back to a younger genetic state. So you know the way that you should- I heard about that. these. Yeah, they sound gimmicky though. Yeah. So you know the way that you actually um, should go to the dentist twice a year you to keep your, your teeth clean? Everyone should do this forever young, this broad-based light, like three times a year, and it actually would keep your skin younger uh, that way. There's actually um, research on this. It's, it's borne out, actually. <laughs> so this is something we can recommend now for people who don't have the downtime necessarily to have like a deeper procedure. Doing this on a, on a regular basis um, is helpful. You know, it's, it seems like when it comes to, to, to skin care and to sun care, this industry is ripe for disruption. I mean, you talk about the ability to do all of what you're talking about, but at home or like a quick, you know, easy visit. Uh, is it that there's just slow FDA approval for these things? Is it what is the reason that that we've not had more, uh, uh, you know, consumerism here? Interesting. Like there, uh, people have actually had these sorts of things. the 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 lights, the light uh, systems that we're talking about, even the broad based light. Um, if not done well, it could hurt, you know, your eyes and other things. It really has to be done by a professional. I'm not sure uh -huh. if it really belongs in the home. There are good skincares actually. We've had for years um, things like tretinoin or retin A and hydroquinones. Um, I went to University of Pennsylvania for my medical school. There was a guy, Albert Kligman, in the dermatology department. He's actually passed away since since then, but he actually discovered retin A or tretinoin, and that's a, a compound that can get into the cells. And actually break up and actually reverse some of the damage that you're talking about. And that with hydroquinones has been very powerful. It has a little bit of recovery, like at home, people flake for a while when they're on it, but it actually is a is a home use that can actually cause your skin to be healthier. Wow. That's really awesome. Yep. And that's been around really the retin A's been since like the 70s or so. Um, and they're in they have in product lines that that use that. They have, it's funny all these different skincares out there, and really some of the most powerful ones are the ones that were discovered you know, discovered decades ago. Well, these things have been discovered decades ago, and and you most of America is willing to, or at some point knows they're going to do some sort of cosmetic 
uh, work on themselves or do something where it's not, I don't like to even use that term, but maybe it's, uh, 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 you know, precancerous, uh, making sure that you're okay. I almost wonder if some, some medical procedures become politicized. And right. I almost wonder if that's why vaccines have become such a politicized things because I, I laugh, I joke. It's like, you know, you, you, you go to the mall, people are, you, you go to the shop, any shopping mall in America, they got free injections of something. You someone standing there saying, Hey, come inside my place. Let me, let me try this freaking chemical on you. Or they're getting some shady CBD or Delta nine vape in the, in the gas station or they're vaping. So all of America is doing this right now. But right. when it comes to vaccines and I'm not in one way or the other, I don't want to talk about even like the, the COVID and the vaccine, but it's like the, just the idea of it. Do you think that because it was like the government telling us it became so politicized? You know, it's tough, you know, and certain people, um, I think that social media really has affected the way that we see the world it's now. crazy. Yeah. And uh, people are going crazy. So I've been vaccinated. I've vaccinated my kids, my wife and stuff. Listen, peop, I've had, I get the flu vaccine every year. Some people don't. That's fine. I'm a doctor. I know how these things come about. I don't have a problem with it. I will say that if you're not going to do that, um, I want to give some advice actually to your listeners here as well. Um, if you, let's say you are not vaccinated and there are people, maybe there's certain people with autoimmune conditions that can't be vaccinated. I understand that. Some people want to wait to see if the science comes a little bit more along. Uh, that's fine, but millions of people have been vaccinated and we're all doing okay. Um, so, um, one is masking. It turns out that the, that the COVID virus loves the nose, not, not the mouth as much because we yeah. have enzymes that'll break it down. But the nose is what they love. So it, wearing masks and actually covering the nose is the best way to protect yourself. I actually wear it all the day, all the time in the office when I'm seeing patients. There's something out there called the DNA mask. And uh, you can look that up, DNA mask. It's actually a five-layer. So the, you have the N95 masks, right, that are used for medical specialists. But this is one that you can get that is a five-layer mask, uh, waterproof on the outside. It's actually made when we have, when we do surgeries, we actually have to wrap the surgical instruments and put it in storage with this blue uh, oh. uh, paper, um, not paper, but a component plastic and yeah. it's a cover. And I know that it keeps surgical instruments safe for a long time. So with this, these nurses did, they came to this idea. What if we make a mask of this stuff that keeps our surgical instruments clean? So they made a five layer mask with three layers of this polypropylene inside the mask, waterproof on the outside, cotton on the inside. Um, and it's, and you can wash it. And has uh, has a it goes you have to it has a bar that protects the nose that's a real big deal to have a bar whenever you want to you really need a bar you have to protect the nose and then it has elastic down below so I'd recommend people get that and wear that outside and that can protect you when you're outside the second thing I was going to mention is hypochlorous acid hypochlorous acid is a natural sanitizer that our body makes okay one of the reasons we need salt in our diet is that. We use the chloride uh, the, in the salt. Our white blood cells use that to make hypochlorous acid. And when our white blood cells attack a bacteria or a virus, it secretes this. Hypochlorous acid is actually a neutral molecule. It's not positive or negative. It can nestle right against the cell wall, get through it, and the acid kills the internal parts of a virus or a, a bacteria. That's how our immune system works. Wow. It's actually something that has been known for a long time. In the 1700s, uh, the chloride base was actually, compounds were used before antibiotics came around. Antibiotics came around 1930. Uh, in 1847, the Vienna uh, General Hospital Maternity Wards were having a problem with childbed fever, and they started using chloride as a germicide to prevent childbed fever. 
1854 in the streets of London, they had an outbreak of cholera and yeah. the chloride of lime in the street pumps to actually help uh, uh, cure that uh, or to treat that cholera. Oh, so that's problem. why it's everywhere. There's like the images of the lie and everything. That's where it comes from. Right. So oh, hypochlorous yeah. acid, uh, we actually make it in the office. We actually, there's a ways, if you oh, take cool. water and salt and vinegar and you put electrical charge to it, the electric charge dissociates the hydrogen from the oxygen. The hydrogen and oxygen come together, they meet with the chloride and, and you get hypochlorous acid. And as long as it's, I put vinegar in there because it actually shifts the chemical equation more toward acidity. If it wasn't, if it was more basic, you'd have hypochlorite or bleach. That was first discovered in like 1930, bleach. Um, but if you have the pH more acidic, um, you have hypochloric acid, and is a, it is a hundred times more effective than than bleach. Yet it is non-toxic. You can actually spray it in your eyes, and it won't hurt your eyes. That, that's strange to hear, right? Can wait, wait, how can it be more effective than bleach, and you can spray it in your eyes? That doesn't make sense at all. Well, because our body makes it, it's non-toxic. It's the best thing we have. So. Uh, you can get this, uh, Purison is one that's online on Amazon, you get Purison. And I would suggest usually people, if they're not wearing it, if you're wearing your mask, but let's say you're around a crowd or something, spray it up the nose. Um, and that's where the virus wants to live at first. So those are two bits of advice to get for people who don't want to get uh, the vaccine. And the vaccine, I'm doing that because I got the vaccine, but we know the Delta virus can get past the vaccine at this point. So in uh, so I am wearing my mask and before I leave work, I spray sure. up my nose, you know, with the hypochlorous acid that we've made. And that's two bits of advice I have for that. You know, a lot of people say that they don't want to do that because they don't, they want to take the risk. Um, I took the risk. Uh, and now I actually wish I had the vaccine before I got COVID because I'm approaching a year later and I still have no smell. I have wow. no smell. I cannot smell. And it's getting to a point where it's like a cloud that I live with every day. I stare at my dog and I'm jealous of him because I can see his nose moving. He's smelling. I miss the smells of the world. And it affects my taste too, because I'll have bouts of days where everything tastes like crap. And then when it doesn't, it's just bland. You don't want to get COVID. You don't want to get the gel. You don't want to get it. Trust me, get any side effect of this vaccine is so much better than getting this COVID. Please don't get COVID. Absolutely. so bad. Most of taste is actually smell. We only have four. I miss uh, it four parts of our tongue that can do flavor, but most of taste is actually the vapors going up the nasopharynx into the nose. And that's where our whole breath of flavors and things come from. Yeah. You know? The olfactory. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right. Olfactory. Yeah. The olfactory. Yeah. I have to, uh, my olfactory nerves are just dead. Like they're just dead. And I have to figure you know out. Um, so Charlie, one thing that you might consider Tell me, because no, I'm going to my ENT and they don't know how to solve it. I know. I just, I don't know, but this is, I just. A, Thoughts. A, yeah. Direction. Um, hyperbaric oxygen. You're the second person to tell me about that. Okay. Hyperbaric oxygen has been used um, to help people with uh, non-healing wounds. Um, out of Israel now, they actually have research showing that hyperbaric oxygen can actually cause your telomeres to lengthen. So it actually can make, um, that's one of the things that, as we age. Oh, I can order one to my house. This is what they're using for for the hyperbaric oxygen therapies, what they're using to give people their smell back, the effect on it on olfactory functions. Oh, crap. Thank you. For no, that. So, no, Charlie, what I'm going to suggest is come up to Undersea Oxygen in Tampa. We have a, I know the people there, and I would go through a series of hyperbaric oxygen just to see, because if, if you can raise the oxygen levels in the body, 
Um, it can actually help to suppress inflammation. That's what it does with my surgery. And I don't know, Charlie, if it would definitely do it, but that is something that would have other nice side effects for you. But it'd be very interesting to see if possibly that could help your condition. What is the relationship between humidity and our bodies and the sun and where we live? Because this is over, over the last probably few decades, the last decade, humidity has become such a factor. No one ever looked at that when they looked at the weather report. But now, you know, I can't stand outside in Las Vegas in August or July because it's so hot. But there's, because there's no humidity, that sun is just burning my head. You can't stand. It's impossible to stand outside anymore. Right. Right. It's interesting. Well, I mean, people feel different ways. There's certain people, they call it a dry heat out in Las Vegas, but you have to drink a lot of water because you evaporate it instantly. It doesn't yeah. sit in your skin. You know, here we have our months in the summer where it's more humid. I've been down here 20 years, so I've gotten used to it uh, over this time period. But um, oh, I'm wearing but, a sweatshirt in summertime. You know, yeah. Floridian, that's how it is. Exactly. But I, I kind of like going up to the, we have a family uh, house up in uh, Massachusetts. And I love going up there where the humidity is low. And those summer days, I kind of like that. Well, we're going to get, we're getting there in the next couple of weeks. Um, uh, it's, it's coming up, actually. We're supposed to have some better, better weather. Actually, I'm going up. My daughter is at the University of Florida and I'm going up next weekend for Parents Week. And they say that this, the front is coming down. So I might get to experience a little drier weather up in uh, Gainesville for, uh, for next weekend. Oh, you're going to be getting to, yeah, it's nice to see like the up there in North Florida is when the seasons actually change. You can, if you want to go see seasons, just drive up to like the, the Florida Georgia line and you're good to exactly, go. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. They should make it, they should make a band about that, I think, right? <laughs> they, they do. Uh, <laughs> Doc, thank you. Thank you for taking the time and coming on Untold Stories. Uh, you've taught you've taught us a lot. You've told us a lot of untold stories, uh, but also um, but I wanted to to add to, to bring it back to the golden ratio for a second that we yes. began the show with. You know, sure. and you alluded to economics. The golden ratio is everything. And the golden ratio is actually how I've been able to, one of the ways that I've, coming from a very religious world, I've tried to learn, you know, how to accept a world potentially without a godlike figure, but what brings the whole world together? And that golden ratio, how it applies to everything from the flower to the bee, to our ears and our eyes, to economics and markets and mathematics, everything. Do you know Bitcoin, the SHA-256 hashing algorithm, all is based on the golden ratio. The simple fact is if you take a large number, how do you break it down to its lowest primes? That's where it came from. That's the Fibonacci sequence. You can't break computers and, and human, human brains. We can't break it down faster than we can predict we can. So therefore right. you can say, okay, if we have this length of a password, we know it's going to take computers and brains alike this amount of time to crack it. So, so that it's, everything's based on that. And it's such a beautiful thing. So you're right. Why aren't we applying it to the other spokes in our life? Why aren't we applying it to how we deal with our health every day from the sun to wrinkles and aging? But thank you for giving us that insight today. It was very important. My pleasure. And, and that's what they thought back then. They thought it was divinely inspired when they came up with it. And uh, I actually went to Pisa years ago. With, uh, we did a trip through Italy and we, uh, we were there for a wedding. We went to Pisa and my wife is really interested in seeing the Leaning, ha Leaning Tower. I was very excited because I got to see, uh, I stood next to a sculpture of uh, Leonardo. <laughs> yeah, it's, that's, I, that Leaning Tower and that, that sculpture, is, it, it's still leaning, which is, which is insane. Right, exactly. <laughs> it has been a pleasure uh, you know, being with you on this show. And uh, we do accept crypto at my office for any of the people 
that were interested. There's a question, you know, you wrote was, you know, why do I do this? Um, you know, because I wanted people to be able to be able to, you know, come to my office and certain people would say they don't want to cash out their crypto because there's tax implications. That's one of the reasons why I decided, because I, besides the fact that I believe in it, I want to be able to sure. offer people if they don't want to cash out, they can use that to pay for my services as well. Eventually, there's going to be a world where once you're in the Bitcoin and crypto world, you are, you're in that world and you're not going to want to leave that world. But it's not just about spending the money at a place that accepts it. You want to be spending your crypto and using it to further the ecosystem. So when you're, how do you further the ecosystem? You encourage businesses that are run by people like yourself who understand why we're here and why this is important. You've been doing it for so long. So we're growing this huge ecosystem up together. That's why I'm a big fan of spending your crypto, spending your Bitcoin on all types of sorts of things. To, we need to continue growing this whole ecosystem. And thank you for, for well, talking about that. El Salvador is doing right now is so Crazy. cool. I know, it's so cool. We got to go down there. But I want to come up to this um, undersea oxygen Hyperbaric, therapy. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, we'll talk offline about it, okay? Okay, cool. Thank you so much for coming today. <laughs>